Casey Seymour of the Moving Iron Podcast joins me for an interview where we talk about family, work, and building a legacy. Welcome to the Impact Legacy and Meaning Podcast, where we discuss the mindset, strategies, and tactics that will allow you to make the kind of impact you want on your family, your business, and your community, while creating a personal and financial legacy that will last for generations. I'm Sean Skaggs, your host. I'm a father, husband, business leader, and follower of Christ who's on a mission to help you create the impact, legacy, and meaning you want for your life. Don't forget to go to impactlegacyandmeaning.com to download your free personal assessment. And if you like the show, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and be sure to leave a review on iTunes and help spread the word. All right, so Casey Seymour, welcome to the Impact Legacy and Meaning podcast. Oh, man, it's an honor, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you, Casey. Uh, Casey, you've got you know your own podcast, Moving Iron, and then actually a couple of different, you're involved in a couple of different businesses. You've got your regular day job, but you've also got the Moving Iron LLC uh, that, uh, where you put on conferences for, uh, for our industry. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I started, uh, I started Moving Iron LLC as a offshoot. I, I started these uh, conferences that are basically around 2013 uh, when the economy started to kind of slide and, I have I have hardly any answers to anything out there, so I figured more uh, more heads in the, the same room that were going down the same path as me were probably going to find a, a few more answers than just me staring at a whiteboard trying to figure out where the next industry move was going to come from. So I got together a bunch of I work for John Deere dealers, so I got a bunch of John Deere dealers together in the same room, and basically we sat down and talked about just some best practices that they were using, um, how they were kind of positioning themselves for what we saw coming at the end of uh, going through 2013, going into 2014. And um, what was going to be a, kind of a one-time thing turned into a yearly thing. And this is seventh year for here. And um, it's uh, it's grown quite a bit and got a lot of, a lot of different dealer groups from all over North America in it. And, um, but it's been a, uh, it's been a fun thing. You know, I, I love going to those conferences, whether it's uh like the Dealer Mind Summit or the deal I put on or any association type meeting that you can go to. Just any place that I can go sit and talk to people that, that do the same thing that I do. Um, I, I love to just listen to what they have to say. And especially some of the guys that I, that I would consider to be like mentors of mine um, that I can call up and bounce stuff off of and, and kind of get their opinion of what they're doing and where they're going. So any chance that I get to sit down in the same room with, with people that are doing the same thing or have the same issues or have a, have a similar struggle to, to what I'm doing. I'm, I'm all about that, man. So any chance that I get to do that, it's definitely something there. And that's where I think that's what I like about doing um, my movie night summit. It's, it's one of those things that gives me a chance to, I don't get as much chance to talk as I like, cause I'm kind of running around and organizing and keeping things with all the wheels on the bus. But um, you get to sit down and talk with some folks that I don't get to see very often. And I get it we get a good feel of what's happening in other parts of the country. So that's awesome. You, you basically, you know, had a problem and figured out how to help solve that problem or to bring people together and use relationships and communication yep. and conversations to help solve that problem and, and created a business out of that. Is that, yep. is that about right? Yeah, it's kind of cl- pretty, pretty close. It's a, it's a non-for-profit business for sure, but it's a, uh, it's one of those things where I definitely, uh, you know, it's it's anyone that can sit there and tell you that they've got the answer to anything is is lying to you. Um, and, and the reason I say that is they might have part of the answer, um, and I might have part of the answer, and you might have part of the answer, and all three of us get together, and then we have about nice. Still, don't have all the answers, right? We have got about ninety percent of the problem solved. The rest of it is kind of a how how that how the overarching problem fits to your niche in your area, right? And you know, we in the farm equipment business, we all have um, from a fifty thousand foot view, it's it's exactly the same, right? But as you start kind of coming down in, in altitude, you start getting closer to the ground. Everybody has got a little bit something a little bit different that they're doing in their area. Um, it could be the crops that are grown, it could be the, the farming practices, it could be um, just the overall, you know, what, what's the financial 
um, aptitude of the people in your in your area. I mean, is, have you had something happen in your area that, that has sucked a bunch of capital out of the area or jobs or something like that, or a new industry is moving in, and that new industry is starting to cannibalize on-farm labor or starting to cannibalize technicians out of your shop or whatever that is. And all those things start playing together, and that, that's why I think it's so important to have that network. Um, I'm, I am successful as I, I'm as successful as my network is. Um, the people that I deal with, the people that I that I want to listen to, the people that I want to have have be kind of quasi mentors to to what to me in, in this business. I, I'm going to be as successful as they're going to let me be, and because I'm going to if I don't listen to their information they're giving me, whether they're telling me something or not, but I can always pick up some piece of information. And I'm inquisitive by nature, so I'm going to start. If I hear something come out of your mouth that I'm like, that's good, I like that. I'm going to start. I'm going to pick your brain until I figure out how what you're saying is going to work in my in my side of the, of the business. And I've always said, if you, you know, if you steal from me, you're probably stealing twice because I got that idea from somebody else. And so it's, I just made it. I just made it work for my, for my area. So it's it's one of those things that I a network can't be any more important um, of a tool than than my computer. It's it's amazing what a network can do for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's <coughs> nuggets in there. You know, one of the things that I really picked up on was you were talking about how uh, basically the way that people influence us and, and how we become the people that we hang out with, right? You know, right. Like Ron that said, uh, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, and I, I believe that's true. And so that's why I spend a lot of uh, effort trying to surround myself with, with really good people and with positive people and smart people. Um, but it, it extends out even further than those five people that you spend the most time with. You know, we're influenced by so many people throughout the day. And, and so you kind of have to curate that and make sure that the people that you're going to be spending time around and the people that you're going to be listening to, you know, have that positive message and are working to solve the problem and not be a part of the problem, all those different things. Um, but no, I, I'm really interested in, in the business model that you've got there because you know, it works on a lot of different levels. One, it works because you're you're helping people to solve a problem, which is always a good thing, but also because it's built around relationships. And you know, businesses that are built around relationships are business that businesses that I think will last. Um so I, I'm gonna back up just a little bit there. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh your story. And like I said, let's back it up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your career journey, your family, kind of where that's brought you to now. Okay. Um, I'm in the farm equipment business and I really don't, I'm just a sheer accident that I got into this business, right? So um, go all the way back to when I was in high school with someone that said, hey, you know what, you're going to be in the farm equipment business and you, you, uh, you grow up. I would have laughed at them because I'm not a farm kid. I didn't grow up on the farm. I don't have any family that farms. I, I think the closest relative that I have that does any kind of farming is like a great uncle that doesn't even farm anymore. They, they had a, my grandma, yeah, my grandma grew up on a uh, tobacco and cotton farm in uh, North Carolina. And she moved to Kansas when she was 16 and met my grandpa and got married and so on and so forth. And, but that was, that was as close as I've, I'd been to ever having a, a farm background. Um, if I wasn't going to the quote unquote family business, um, my, my generation of, of grandkids, and on my dad's side, we're the first generation not to work in the oil field since Kansas was a uh, territory. So I, I shouldn't be, you know, as a pumper someplace or working on some oil well somewhere doing something like that. You know, my dad sells oil field chemicals and has done it for, I'm 42. So he's done it for 41 and a half years. So he, he's been uh, doing the same thing for a while. Um, when I got out of school, when I got out of college, I did a, had a number of different jobs. I sold Budweiser beer for the local distributor there back in Wichita. That's my hometown. We're near my hometown, uh, Wichita, Kansas. And uh, worked there for a while. I went to work for a couple different companies. I ended up working for uh, for the uh, Southwest Association because um, I went to work for a company called Pitney Bowes and the boss there that I had. I have a lot of, a lot of respect for and I still uh, reach out to him from time to time. Uh, he went to work for a company called Iron Solutions. He got me this job uh, at the at the association and um, you know long story short how I got into this business I needed to make I was behind on the number of, of uh, members I signed up for the year and I stopped into the uh, 
the Cat Challenger dealer there in Wichita, Kansas, um, trying to get them to join the association. And my uh, sales pitch turned into a job interview. And three days later, I had a job offer to go be the, the used equipment uh, internet sales guy and uh, for ag equipment. It's the only time I'd ever told a guy that I go, you know, I'm, I'm pretty scared about doing this. And I feel like he made a big mistake because I don't know anything about this equipment. I mean, I, I, I can read a brochure and I can do whatever, but I, 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 I know combines have big wheels on the front. That's about a, That's my extent of, of farm equipment knowledge at the time. <laughs> and so I spent my career doing that. And, um, you know, I think as I look back on it, I think some of my success came from the fact that I didn't come from a farm or I didn't have that background. And I was, it, to some extent, it was, a, it was as much of a curse as it was a blessing. Um, I never really understood the, the farm, the mentality of, you know, oh, well, man, it's just, I'm just a poor farmer or, I, you know, I'm just a poor rancher, those kind of things. And you kind of get caught up into that, into that language every once in a while. And I just kind of look over at their $2 million shed over there with six and a half million dollars of equipment sitting inside of it. Like, I don't know if that you're hurting that bad. Just, just taking a look around here. Yeah, I think you're doing okay. You know, and, and I, I, that was, that was my, uh, one of my, my favorite things to, to, to say when, when we go out on those, on those when I built that relationship with the guy, you know, I could go out there and make that conversation, have that little back and forth exchange about, you know, if I had your money, I'd burn mine type of conversation and those kind of things. So it was, it was a fun give and take back then. Um, but, that, you know, as my, as my career grew and I, I grew into a different role, um, I moved into more of a, moved out to Nebraska, worked for 21st century equipment now, and I moved out there and I've been the used equipment manager there for a uh, Oh, I've been about 13 years. I think I've been in the, in, as a youth club manager and here just of late, I've been the sales manager now. So whole new, whole new thing again. So um, kind of thought you figured, had things figured out and then you get a new job and you realize you, you're kind of worse off than you were when you started the very first job you had. So <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of things to learn. Um, but I, you know, I'm a, like, a, you know, kind of back to my, to my earlier statement about my network. Um, I tried to build the best team around me that I could when I'm as a sales manager, you know, so I have a, have a really good guy that was a, that's a marketing manager now. And he's a, he was a sales guy then he was a store manager and now he's a marketing manager. So he's hit all assets, all facets of this business. And he also, also the farm kid um, grew up in the area. And uh, so he's, he's got that background of, of all the all encompassing background. And it truly was a blessing to get him, to be a part of my, of my team. So when I've got, got some crazy thing comes up and I'm like, huh, I don't even know what this means. And he, he's like, Oh no, I've seen this before. Cause so I was back when I was store manager, this is one thing that we had to do and, and we could find the answer here. So it's, it's a, it's a Rolodex of, of, of uh, not just, um, you know, a good guy to work with. There's also a Rolodex of guys that's got tons of answers, you know? So, um, I'm lucky to have him be a mentor of mine, you know, even though he's, He's a, he worked with, works for me. He's uh he's probably one of my, my uh, closest confidants when we start talking about the business. Um, got another guy that works for me. He's the, uh, he's equipment, um, internet guy, Aaron Fennell. And if, if you want to know anything about any piece of equipment ever produced on, in North America, I mean, I don't care what it is. He can give you, he's like a Wikipedia tractor, man. This guy can just start, whip, start whip, uh, whipping knowledge out fashion. You can, and you can take it in and, so working with him again, kind of helped me, uh, kind of get my bearings on what we're doing and what we see happen. And, you know, I'm a data guy. So I like, I like to sit back and, and look at the auction results and start seeing those trends and look at the retail data we have inside our business system and watching those trends grow. And those two guys are, are sounding boards for all the ridiculous ideas that I come up with on how we're going to start moving down a different path. And those guys keep me grounded. So I'm, you know, people talk about <clears throat> your external network, but your internal network is just as important to me as it is anything else. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good nuggets in that story too, there, Casey. I mean, uh, the first one that that jumped out at me was, you know, you didn't have any knowledge or any experience in the industry, but somebody jumped out there and said, "This is the guy that I want on my team." Whenever they hired you, and uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, I think, a good example of, you know, you can go out and try to hire experience, but you're so much better off if you just go and try and find somebody who's the right person and then teach them what you want them to do. 
that's been my experience anyway. All of our, our best people are typically people who may or may, you know, they may not have any experience in what we're doing, but you just find somebody that you know is a good person and that they're going to be able to excel, you know, kind of at whatever they do, but especially at whatever task you're going to put them on and, uh, and then train them to do it because, you know, business is all about people. And, uh, and so if you've got the right people, you can teach them the skills. Uh, and if it makes you feel any better, even though I had grown up on a farm, whenever I started in the farm equipment business, I found out that I was much greener than I ever anticipated. I did not know. (laughs) No, I thought I did. Yeah. It's amazing when you get that slap in the face and then you just wake up one day and whoa, and I really thought I had more of this figured out than what I did. I thought I knew a lot about equipment until people started asking me questions and I had no idea what the answers to any of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a a trip, man. I mean, you you wake up every morning and I, you know, there's, uh, in this business and I'm sure it's like this in every other business too that you look at it but I feel like sometimes I get that tunnel vision and I don't see the big picture um, for what it is and you know the old forest for the trees saying there and, and I wake up you know I get so focused on one thing sometimes that all everything else just becomes a, an ancillary type of, of, of a vision you know and kind of looking at it out of my peripherals and you get this one problem figured out and you just you got it figured out and you jump to the next problem. But by the time you get this problem figured out, the, the problem that you thought you had figured out is now morphed into something different. And so you always have to stay on top. I mean, it's just that, I mean, we talk about, um, like in your podcast, you talk about a lot of stuff that has to do with, um, you know, that balance, right? But figuring out what that balance is. So <clears throat> as I uh, sit back here and look at, at the balance of what I have going on at work every day. I mean, balancing all those different things. Sometimes you go to work and you, and you look at your view list and you're like, I couldn't get this all done in a year. I got to do this this week. And so it's just staying that, that focus and, and finding that, that, you know, that prioritize and execute. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, a book called Extreme Ownership. And uh, it's written by a couple of Navy SEALs and Jocko Willink and Leighton Bevan. And, uh, but they talk about the the four laws of combat they implemented in their in their deployment uh, in their platoon that they had in, in uh, Ramadi, Iraq, in 2006, and then how those those four combat laws work in the business world. So I, you know, when I first started reading, I was kind of skeptical of how you could make something that was made for military use. How's that going to work in a business structure? And I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> there's nothing more than what the, there's nothing further away from from a, a false idea than when I came up after reading that book. I mean, everything they talk about in that book, I can absolutely 100% apply back to my everyday business, whether it's prioritized and executing, whether it's decentralized command or, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, that's where I think I've been successful as a manager. I work with the guys I work with is that I let them do what they need to do to get their job done. Right. I'll support them what they need to do, but I don't, really have time to sit back and, and make all the decisions and do everything you need to do. If you're, if you're the used equipment guy, you need to understand what the used equipment market is and you need to make those decisions. If you're selling equipment on the internet, then you need to go sell that equipment on the internet. You know, the, you know, the stay between the ditches, you know, go, go make stuff happen. But I need you to be creative and come up with the ideas that you're going to make, make you successful. I'll support you in any way I can, shape or form. Um, if we need to talk about, something that you're doing and, and how to correct some behavior or whatever it is that you're doing. We're going to have that conversation, but hopefully I've explained my, my intent well enough that, you know, I'm, I've given you a very vague intent. You know, we need to go from A to B and I'm hoping that you can figure out the path we need to take to get to A to B. And that's, that's why I think my team is really good at that. You know, I've got a whole goods manager. <clears throat> he does a, he's a great, Great job at it. He's so dialed into what's going on as far as data goes and past sales and everything else. And looking at forecasting, those kind of things that when he comes to my office and says, I think we need to do this, I really need to have a pretty big idea or, or a pretty big reason not to do what he says because he's not he's not wrong very often. And <clears throat> so but I'm lucky. Now you could have it the other way where you got the guy that just whatever goes out and does it and and you don't know what you don't you don't catch what they're doing until it's done. And those are people you have to bring in and follow, micromanage a little bit more. 
you know, I'm not a micromanager because I hate being micromanaged. And there's, there's, I'd rather you just tell me what you want done and I'll figure out how to do it and we'll all win that way. That's where, uh, that's why I think, that's why I think as a manager, anyone that's doing that, it's so much easier to prioritize what you have to do in your day if you can decentralize your command out to your, your subordinate leaders and let them do what they need to do and let you focus on the big picture or whatever it is that you need to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, the thing that you've actually brought up a couple of different times now is just kind of the power of having a, a really good team, right? And then once you've got those right people in place, let them go do their job and don't try and, and jump in there and do their job for them or, or micromanage, like you said. Uh, you know, let them go and, and do their thing. And, and you know, I, I'm trying to remember what the name of the book was. It's one of those uh, Ken Blanchard books from 20 years ago that I read, but it talks about kind of the different stages uh, that you go through with your team where you start out and you're having to hold their hand and show them how to do every little thing. And then, uh, you know, over time you start to let them do some of those things on their own and you're just watching and, and kind of supervising. And then after a while it gets to the point where you turn them loose and they're doing their own thing. And that, that what you hope to eventually be is just their cheerleader, right? You're the guy that's there to, right. to cheer them on and tell them they're doing a good job when they're doing a good job. And, to help them figure out problems whenever they have problems. That's what I tell people all the time is that really for my team, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I've got a great team too. And most of what I do is I just block and tackle, right? I'm just there to clear right. up to them so that they can go and be great because they're already great at what they do. If you help just moving some obstacles out of the way, that's what I'm there for. So I, I'm going to go and help them move obstacles and let them do their thing. And they make me look really good whenever I just do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I need all the help I can get when, when it comes to looking good. And those guys, those guys are uh, huge helps about that. And just like you said, my job is to make sure that they don't they don't get caught up in the minutia of the of, of the corporate side of our business. You know, the the CFO and everything. They, those guys, I'm I'm. You want to come talk to me? We'll get it figured out, and then I'll I'll figure out how to make it work with our team. And luckily, I work for a company that's really good about that. We don't really have that. Well, my God, I'm not whatever you have to, you know, it's not like that. It's, it's very much a, you know, you're his boss. I'm going to talk to you about it. And then you guys need to figure it out. And, that, and that's, that's what I like about it. You know, it's just, you kind of all have that, that approach to what we're doing. So it, it makes a huge difference in the speed of things too. How we, how much faster things get done um, when they're not waiting on me to say, okay, now we need to go do this. And now we're going to do that. It's just, you know, we've got X amount of time to get this done. I need your help on these, these paths and tell me how to tell me what you're going to do to get it done. And then how I can support you to get that done. And we'll go from there. And it's, it's made, it's speeded, it just speeds up everything so much faster. Absolutely. Well, you know, you're, you're a person who's making a big impact in two different businesses. So as you're trying to navigate all that, what, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you run across or that you face know, trying to do that, trying to make a big impact in with both with 21st century and with moving iron. Yeah. Oh man, it's probably time more than anything. That's my biggest challenge. Um, you only have so many hours in a day, right? And, and your ability to get those, those things done. Um, you know, the podcast that I do, that's, that's another way for me to, to have someone on the other, other end of the microphone talking to me about, you know, what they see happening in the hay market or what they see happening with combines or, you know, that some niche thing with choppers or something. I, I get a good feel for what they're doing and I get to ask them questions about how they're making that problem go away or better or do whatever it is. So, you know, I spend an hour or two a week doing that and um, you know, probably three hours a week doing all that. But it's one of those things where I get a, I get a good feel for what's going on and it helps me when I go back to work the 21st century on put the other hat on, go over there and work for them. I'm getting that, I get to take those ideas and put over there. So, um, but we have such a, a finite amount of time to, to get those things done and then recognizing what's, what's the most important thing and what's the least most important thing and, and not getting caught in the, you know, being a jack of all trades and master of none kind of on your to-do list and, uh, that prioritizing what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done and, and, the time you have to work around is, is probably my biggest obstacle every day. So what, what's one of the things that you do now that helps you to kind of get those priorities straight? <clears throat> well, at the end of the day, 
I do the old handwritten, you know, I kind of write out what I feel like I need to get done tomorrow um, and then add it to it and then look and see what I didn't get done today and then um, prioritize those all together. So I just write stuff down in no specific order, but I, uh, when I get back in the morning, I, I have that list of stuff I know I need to get done. Then I start looking at my day and my meetings and just that kind of stuff. And I start putting those things in there and, and kind of schedule out my day. Um, I have an iPad and on my iPad, I have a Franklin Covey. He's got a basically like the, the version of the planner, you know, that you carry around, but it's, it's for your iPad and you can do the same thing. You can put in notes, do all the same stuff. I use all that. <clears throat> and the reason I use that over writing stuff down is that I've, I've kind of got to the point now where I can't function unless I've got an alert that goes off my phone and says, Hey, you need to be doing this now, or you got a meeting coming up in two hours or this, that, and stuff. If it's not on my calendar or on my phone, man, I just, it just doesn't happen. So that app kind of coordinates all that stuff into my calendar and I can, I can go through there and I can organize my day. Um, I'm probably not the most, I'm not a very organized person by nature. So this kind of getting yourself organized thing is just something that, uh, uh, it's a, it is just, I'm kind of a, sometimes I'm kind of like the ADD kid, you know, I got, you know, I see a bright shiny light somewhere and I kind of just captures my attention and I got to go check it out and see what's going on. So my staying focused on a day-to-day basis on all the stuff I have there is, is definitely a struggle, but that, but doing that app thing, you know, working that, that, uh, camera was called planner plus or something like that, but you know, it, it goes from my iPad to my phone and on my computer, wherever I'm at. So, it really, it really, and then my wife, God love her. She's uh, she keeps track of the, of the, of the family calendar, which feeds into my calendar too. So I know when the kids have you know, softball practice or baseball practice, football practice or cross country meets or whatever it is, you know, we got all that stuff co- co- coordinated in there. I start looking at that calendar sometimes I'm like, Holy crap, man, I gotta, I gotta work. I don't know how, I don't know how I get anything done here. This stuff is just, up. and that's just, but it's, it's the, uh, just find the time, carving things out, being where you need to be at when you need to be there and prioritizing what's the most important thing, whether it's work or whether it's life um, at that particular moment in time. And it's, you know, it's, it's a struggle, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun struggle, I guess. I can relate to all of that. Um, I actually started out kind of in the, uh, I guess you'd say the Franklin Covey family, because that was one of the first things that happened to me almost 20 years ago, whenever I went to work for Cargill, Uh, I started work as an assistant territory manager working under a territory manager. And that was the first thing that territory manager did on the very first day. Whenever I met him, he said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to the Franklin Covey store and we're going to buy you a planner. And then he, so we went and we bought that planner, spent 35, $40 on it, which I thought was a lot of money at the time to spend on a planner. Um, But we bought that planner and he showed me how to use that thing effectively. And that's, I think is the best thing that he ever could have done for me. Really. It, it, of all the things that he taught me, that's the one that has carried through with me all the way through. Now I'm not still using the Franklin Covey planner, but the basic concept that that teaches you and, and the way that it organizes you, I think is, uh, is really good. And it, it really helped me for a lot of years. I, I got a lot of credit for being really organized and being able to remember everything when the truth is I could remember nothing, but I wrote everything down. And so I always right. had yeah. a task in that list and that yeah. was what kept me straight. Yeah. No, I mean, the iPad I have is, is I, I have a, an iPad Pro with a little pencil thing, and I've, I've added the, uh, there's a notebook thing, you can, notebook app, and you can handwrite stuff. So when I go to meetings, I mean, I look like a dork carrying that, that iPad around everywhere I go, but I mean, I've got, it's my whole life, man. It's every, if it ever crashed, thank God there's a cloud because everything gets backed up to it. But I mean, all, all my notes about how we're structured deals and, guys are working with and things that they're that they're kind of right now what i think are some trigger points of theirs and some in some ways that we can maybe go out and manipulate different aspects of our market or or we'll look at how we can use parts and service to better service a customer and those kind of things i mean all, I've got all that stuff's in there and i and i try to keep as much of that stuff in there as we can and go back and reread my notes and, and add stuff where i need to add it and those kind of things so i keep it uh i keep it uh I wear those batteries out pretty quick in a day on that on that iPad. I keep plugging as much as I can, but I, by the time I get home, it's about dead. So it's it's a it's it's a single most important tool that I have in my arsenal. Um, let's flip the switch just a little bit. 
you know, you've got, you talked a little bit about your family and all the things that you got going on with sports and everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, what's the biggest challenge that you face from a family perspective? Um, my family life is, uh, I'm, I, I've got a great wife and she's going to be probably sainted here pretty quick as a, annoyed as a saint. She can marry me, but there's, there's a lot of stuff there that, that I, I couldn't do without her. And she's a, she has a part-time job, um, working for the, for the, the church we go to in the school that they, uh, that they have. And she's the, uh, executive director of the, of the foundation for the school. So it's a, uh, her main job is every year they have a big fundraiser and uh, that's her main job is to organize that fundraiser and do all the meat and potato stuff back behind it. So luckily, because it's a part-time gig like that, she has a lot of free time to shuffle kids around doctor's appointments and those kind of things. So um, she, she takes a huge burden off of me when it comes to, to that kind of stuff. Um, plus, I, you know, with the size of our EOR that we cover, I travel quite a bit. We have a few overnighters here about three or four times a month. I'm probably out. So there's three or four nights of the week that I'm not home um, or the month I'm not home. She has to, uh, he kind of takes care of things. She's significantly more organized than I am. I can tell you that, <clears throat> tell you that with no, <clears throat> with no doubt in mind. But, you know, weekends are a big time for us to catch up and, and kind of be that, that family unit again. My son mows, uh, he got about six or so lawns he mows. So Saturday mornings, you assist me running him from place to place to place, making sure he's getting the stuff done and, and moving the weeder to the next place so he can ride the lawn more to the next spot and do that. So, you know, balancing that stuff to me, you know, growing up, my parents never missed anything I did. And I kind of took that for granted. And now that I'm, I'm a grown, grown up and I'm an adult and I got kids of my own now, I kind of see the sacrifices that they had to do to make sure that they're at those games and, and the amount of time that they had to carve out to do that. And um, so to me, it's just as a, probably an act of respect more than anything to my parents. Um, I make sure I don't miss my kids' stuff. And if I miss it, it's, I, there's nothing I can do about it. But um, I can remember watching every football game I played all the way through college. I could always see my mom and dad in the crowd, no matter every time, no matter where the game was at, how far away it was, what they had to do to get there. I knew that I knew my parents were going to be there, and I don't know that my mom and dad ever missed anything I ever did. So, um, as a uh, kind of a, a legacy, I guess, if you will, kind of tie it back into your podcast here. I want my kids to know that they were always that I'm always there for them, um, no matter what. Um, you know, my my son runs cross country, and I'm, I got a question where he gets his his genetics to run from because it sure wasn't from me. I can tell you that. And he, uh, he ran cross country meet the other day and he got, uh, sixth place out of probably a hundred and some kids. Um, he's just, awesome. he's got a gift. He's got a gift in that, you know? So I, I keep pushing in that. And I'm not, I was a football kid, man. I'm, <clears throat> my body composition was, was, uh, you know, big and tall. That was really kind of, they made those stores for, for guys like me. And, uh, so, to watch him go out there and run and be as successful as he is, and just it's a very, uh, very cool thing. So, I got to watch him do that the other night, and I had to carve some time out to go do that. And it was, it was uh, worth every minute of it. Um, and I'm glad I got to see it. And my daughter is the same, you know, she does, uh, she's in all kinds of stuff, she's more into like dance and those kind of things. And I, I love watching her go, but that's I'm, I'm not a big fan of upsetting through those, those performances. So, but it's my daughter, so I'm going to, I'm going to watch her do it. And I'm going to support her all the way through it. And, and, you know, my youngest boy, he's, uh, one day it's one thing, the next day it's another. So keeping him interested in something is probably the, the harder thing there. But, um, you know, like I said, does season open up and we're going to go out tomorrow. My, uh, my son and my daughter and I'll probably go out. I don't know if my, my youngest boy will go with us or not, but it'll be the, the, the three of us and our two dogs and we're going to go out and see what we can do and sit on a rock someplace and just catch up and see how things have been for the last, you know, how school been going and how things going at, you know, cross country and what you guys been up to. And it's just, those, uh, there's a, I can't, there's a country song out there. I can't remember what it's called, but, um, I think Trace Atkins or it's called something about, uh, you know, the exact word, but we're doing more than fishing or something like that. And that, that idea of, you know, I just, yeah, just sitting back there and just spending that time with the kids and catching up with them and, and building those memories that I think are, are priceless. And 
when when you're 12 or 13 years old, it didn't mean much to you. But when you look back on it, it means the world to you. Yeah, no, that, that uh, you're exactly right on that stuff. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had uh, yesterday or the day before with uh, kind of a new friend. And we were talking about uh, motivation and priorities. And uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, trying to get your priorities from an internal perspective. So what's going to matter after I'm dead and gone? And when right. you look back at what's going to matter after I'm dead and gone, you know, being at that ball game is going to matter to your kids after you're dead and gone because they're going to remember that. Me making that conference call, that's probably not going to matter after I'm dead and gone. And nobody's going to, it's not going to matter whether I was on that conference call or not on that conference call or whether I was uh, at that particular meeting or not at that particular meeting. You know, and so it, it's hard to do that. I mean, because our businesses are important as well. But whenever you look at it from that eternal perspective, um, then it really starts to be, you start to see what your priorities really should be and what's really going to matter in the long term. Yep. Yeah, I just you can't you can't have enough of those moments because they are they're, they're fleeting. You know, you don't even realize you have a moment until it's uh, until it's gone, and then you've got to go back and do it off. So, so that's uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a uh, just the balance trying to figure out what that balance is. How you can be the most effective at both things and everybody at the same time it's uh it's a full-time gig yeah absolutely so you you talked a little bit about your parents and some of the things they did and and some other things that happened whenever you were growing up is there somebody in your life that you really wanted to uh emulate in terms of the kind of impact that they made you know i, I always <clears throat> i look back on that question several times in my life and i would say there's probably about four people in my life that i can have a, a, a complaint to say, hey, these people made a direct impact on 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 me. Obviously, one's my father, right? Um, and my my two grand, my grandpa's, you know, both of those guys were all three of them were influential in, in everything, work ethic, and just how you live your life and those kind of things. Um, but one, there's one I've had the opportunity to play um, college football at a community college back in Eldorado, Kansas, called Butler Community College, and um, had a coach there named Coach uh, Coach Brad. Coach Brad was a defensive coach, uh, defensive line coach, and he wasn't well, he wasn't my coach, but he was my coach in, in the offseason. And I learned a lot from Coach Brad about just adversity. Right. So in off season, I think the goal for the whole entire off season was to get as many people to quit as they could, so they could have the people that wanted to be there. Right. And so everybody had a day. You know, it was your day to get. Coach Brad's wrath, you know, and whether, no matter what you did, it wasn't good enough. There's always, you could done something better or you, you know, you cut corners over here or whatever, and you're doing the exact same workout, the exact same effort that you did the previous ones and the same after. So, um, I remember it was my day to be, uh, to feel Coach Brad's wrath, wrath and, and, uh, I, I never forget this. I walked out of like, man, I'm going to get cut. This, that, holy crap, I'm, this has been the worst day of my life and I've done all this for nothing and I got to get a cut tomorrow. I can already feel it. So I was walking across campus and I was sitting in the, in the lobby of one of the buildings and um, Coach Brad come walking through and he, he saw me like, Seymour, how you doing, man? I'm like, it's right now. And he kind of walked in and I was like, Matt, I want to say you're doing a great job. I'm really impressed with all the, through your effort here in this, in this, this winter. Two hours ago, you told me I was worthless and how, how, how I couldn't, how, how I was lucky to even be on the team. And, and then now you're telling me I'm good. My, I'm like, and now when I realized what he was doing, it was just that building that mental fortitude and that, that, that internal um, drive to do, you can always do better. You know, there's always that one thing better. And I remember um, my uh, football coach at halftime would always say, it didn't matter if we were up by seven or if we were up by 47. You always say, ring the bell early and often. Don't let your don't uh, how do you say don't let your uh, don't let your opponents thank you for not being awesome today. And so it was that that kind of mentality stuck with me for a long time. So you know I'm competitive and I know I can do better. And I know there's there's things I can do better that that are always improve what I'm doing. And I kind of live like that. I kind of live my life like that. That I'm trying to be a better person, a better husband, a better businessman, a better whatever that I can be. And it all kind of stems from that, that couple of years I got, um, 
basically boot camps there at, at, at my football my football team. So it was it was a uh, that's a life lesson I'll take. I, I look back on all the time, and I, I'm I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to get yelled at. It was great. <laughs> well, that's that's a great example. We I think it was probably especially if we've been involved in anything competitive, we've probably had somebody similar yeah. to that that uh, they they yelled because they cared, right? <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. I mean, because I watched him many times with the guys that that he didn't want on the team, never had any, never said anything to him, and they were the ones that all got cut. And it and it it was. Uh, well, he always used to say, if I'm not yelling at you, that means that I've given up on you. Like, it's kind of a backward way of thinking, but looking back on it, they kind of get it now. That, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a trip. So let's flip that over just a little bit. Is there anything that you want to make sure you do differently than the previous generation with your kids or with your family or anything specific that you want to make sure your kids do differently than what you did? That's a good question, Sean. Um, you know, I think for me, I mean, growing up, I, I couldn't have had a better childhood, you know. Um, we didn't go a lot of places. We didn't do a lot of things, but um, I always seemed to have fun. You know, I, I can always look back on that and remember that. Um, I think for my kids, what I want to be able to do with them is I want them to be, um, to remember what we the stuff that we did together as a, as a, as a group, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm real big on, on summer vacations. Uh, and that's, that's the single most important thing for me. Not so much that I want to get away from work or do anything like that, but it's that when we go on those trips, I love going to Montana, my favorite place to go. They got a little town up there, almost a Glacier National Park that we like to go called Big Fork. It's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's very, just quiet. There's nothing much going on up there. There's, um, little things going on. We get a cabin out in the woods and we just hang out. It's just us with no distractions, right? There's no, no basketball practice. There's no anything going on. There's no, my phone's not ringing. I'm not answering emails. I'm not doing those kind of things. It's just us hanging out. And, and it's not so much even to me. I could probably do the same thing in Scott's Bluff, but it is not going to work the same, right? Cause it's, you got, you know, all the different things going on around us. So, um, getting out, of your environment and moving to a different place gives us a chance to all reconnect and kind of take that breath of fresh air and, and kind of get things going again. So um, I've even thought about doing something with our family. My wife and I talked about the other day where we were going to, instead of giving um, doing Christmas presents, we were just going to go take a, take a vacation someplace um, and just wake up Christmas morning somewhere and wherever, you know, and that was going to be our, our whole thing instead of, of, you know, get these Christmas present things sometimes get these kids get the stuff and they don't use it and you know two weeks later they can't find what you got for them and they needed to have it and it was the best thing they could possibly ever got and they don't know where it's at or they've lost interest in it or whatever so what I what I want to do is I want my kids to have the same memories that I had growing up you know and even though we didn't <clears throat> do a lot and there wasn't a lot of extra money to do a bunch of different stuff um, we always had I always have a memory. I mean, whether it's going fishing or hunting with my dad or camping as a family or whatever it was, um, you know, snow skiing and spring break was something we used to go to every once in a while. But um, just those memories, me, I, I can, I remember that stuff way more than when I got to Christmas when I was seven. You know, was, those are the kind of things that I look back on with fondness and, and, and think about, you know, how those events scoped and shaped my life and, and what we did there and, and the funny stories that come out of them and those kind of things. Those, those are worth way more to me than any material object on the planet. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that it seems like the older I get, the more I realize and understand that experiences are so much more important than things. Right. Yep. It, Absolutely. We all get caught up in that. Sometimes I still get caught up in it sometimes where it's, you know, somebody's got this thing and I want to keep up with the Joneses. I want that thing too, or, or I see this new, I'm, you know, I'm a, tech guy. And so I like gadgets and I'd see some new gadget that oh, I think yeah. make life wonderful. Right. But the truth yep. is I can, I can spend my money on experiences rather than things. I'll spend it on the experiences every time, because those are the things that you, mm -hmm. those are the things that are going to matter, you know, over the long term rather than just for the next, like you said, two weeks or six months or however long it is that the kids stay interested in whatever you spend right. a fortune on for Christmas. Right. 
But uh, yeah. I can really relate to what you said about Montana. We could turn this into a Montana commercial really easily because we spent <laughs> in Big Sky this summer, and it was yeah. Uh, it's an amazing place, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's it's truly the definition of the West. The mindset of the people there, the I mean, just everything about it. It's just still very frontierish in, in the mindset and in people's you know, it's just very open mind. You know, just. Go out and get it done and, and enjoy life and just don't don't hustle too hard because bear season's coming up, you know, those kind of things. It's just a very cool atmosphere to go be in. It is. It is. It's amazing to think of what people went through to to build those highways and, oh, and everything else that they built in those mountains. Yeah. And plus yeah. just just the beauty of it is just mm-hmm. unreal. I mean, I've been to a, I've been fortunate. I've been to a lot of really beautiful places, but there aren't very many that will compare to some of those places in Montana. They're, they're amazing. No, definitely agree. Um, so let's, let's get back to, you know, we've talked a lot about things that are going to matter uh, over the long term. What's your number one goal for leaving a personal legacy? What is it that you want uh, your kids to tell their kids uh, after you're gone about you? <clears throat> well, I think I want my kids to, tell their grandkids, my grandkids, um, you know, that I, I, I think there's the two worst things you could ever be called in life are lazy and stupid. And hopefully I can, they'll, they'll tell their grandkids that I wasn't either of those lazy nor stupid. And that I was always trying to better myself and, and always trying to, uh, be the best possible, whatever at the time, you know, whether it was a sales manager or equipment guy or father or husband or whatever it was that I was always trying to be the best. And might have stumbled and fall a few times, fell a few times and, and uh, you know, but I got back up and dust myself off again. I never quit. So um, I think that's probably really the legacy I want to leave. It's just that I had a good work ethic and I, I didn't settle with me and I never settled for, for anything. I was always trying to be better. That's good stuff. What is the number one goal you have for leaving a, a, a financial legacy? Or do you have a goal for, for a financial legacy that you want to leave? Um, you know, I, I think for me, from a financial legacy for my children, what, I, what I'm going to do for them that, that I didn't have for me is I'm going to try to pay for their school. So when they start life out, they're not in debt. Um, that was probably one of the biggest hindrances for me when I got out of school. Um, I went to, I got, a, I got my MBA and when I got done with that, I had about $75,000 worth of debt by the time I got done with everything. And, you know, when you're starting out in life and you're not making much money to start with anyway, and then you get, you know, a few added things on top of that that you could probably do away with. To me, I mean, just start having my kids start out in life with, with no, no debt. It's probably going to give them a leg up over a lot of people around them and, um, you know, Financially for them, another thing I'd probably do for them as well is just I mean, my work ethic that I want to pass on to them and have them understand that you got to work hard to get what you want. And, you know, couple that with no debt, you should be have a pretty good jump, jump start on everybody else around you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast again here in just a minute. But first, let's uh, – yeah. you, you get – you up for doing a little bit of speed round? Sure. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you just a few questions and you just, just give me the first uh, answer that comes to the top of your head. What is the best business business? If I can talk now, what's the best business book <laughs> that you've read lately? <laughs> the best business book. I'm reading a book now called subscribe and it's about um, subscription based businesses and how to switch your, your model that you have over to more of a subscription based mindset. That's good. What's the best book on life or mindset that you've read lately? Probably the last book I read on that. I read um, David Goggins. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Who he might be. He's a maybe still got to get the book that's uh, can't hurt me. And that's that. That's a great big book about just how to overcome struggling. Now, his are extreme. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. just overcoming that. If you know keeping that mindset of never quitting. That's, that's what, that's what yeah, perseverance. He's a, he's a great case study for perseverance for sure. No kidding, man. <clears throat> so what's 
So what's the, and, and you may have already answered this question, but I'll ask anyway, what's the best app or tool that you use in your business? Oh, far and away, that Planner Plus app. That's that and my calendar app. Those two apps are far and away the most two important things. Probably that, probably the Planner Plus app and the handwriting app that I can use on my iPad. What is the best time that you've spent with your family lately? Uh, we just got back from Montana. We were up there for uh, 10 days. So that was uh, seven days, I guess, seven days. So it was it was good. We had we rushed too many things into that day that, but it was it was a good time to get back up there and breathe in some of that nice mountain air. Yeah. So if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? Uh, wake up early and go to bed late, man. Get as much out of every day as you can. Um, can't get enough out of it. Can't you? You can absolutely create free time by uh, by having the by sleeping less. I guess is the best way to put it. There's some people that would recommend against that, but uh, I'm as you. I'm a. I'm, I get up at four thirty in the morning, and uh, yeah. I try to go to bed early. I try to get to bed at like nine fifteen, but it rarely ever works out that way. There's always something else yeah. going on seems to keep me up so yeah and it'll catch up with me probably eventually but i'm i'm a guy who's just uh you know if i get five or six hours of sleep i'm usually good to go yeah me too so casey what is the best place for people to find you to get in contact with you to learn more about you um best place to go i mean just check out my podcast uh find it on any platform out there youtube or youtube um stitcher iTunes, Google Play, wherever, wherever you can find podcasts on there. Um, go to my website, moving Check that stuff out. Um, write blogs about what's going on in the equipment business and what I see happening out there. Um, been doing that. I'm going to actually <clears throat> pick that up a little bit to do some more of a, on a weekly basis there and kind of get some more deep dives into very niche things instead of one broad stroke once a month. So um, kind of take a look at that. Send me, a, send me an email if you want to at, uh, at uh, Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com uh, or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can find me at all those places. All right. Thank you, Casey. Thanks for being on the, the Impact Legacy and Meaning Podcast. All right. I mean, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Impact Legacy and Meaning. If you found what you heard today helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. That would really help me out. Also, don't forget to download your own personal assessment from impactlegacyandmeaning.com, where you can also check the show notes for any links or references from today's podcast. And remember, the only thing holding you back is you.